0: the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. When one of those who reclined at table with Jesus heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it, please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them, please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly, the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. We're all familiar with places of honor. How much honor um, is in them today, I'm not entirely sure, and I think it's for you to decide. But we all know the picture of the president sitting behind his big wooden desk. And it's from behind that desk he sends out his word, his commands, his instructions, ruling and governing our state, our kingdom. We all know the picture of a judge sitting behind his bench in his robes, with his gavel in his hands, judging the people, judging the acts of men, their intentions and their fates. And whenever the rulers and judge of this world get together for a feast, for a banquet, they invite all those, anyone and everyone, who can further their cause, who can serve their own interests, they invite other kings and rulers, they invite judges and, of course, big donors. But whenever Christ, the true ruler and judge of this world, throws together a feast, a banquet. He invites unexpected ones, the entire world, sinners, you, to come and recline at his table and the place of honor. So like any good host, Christ sends out his invitations to this banquet. He sends out his servants, just like in the text, to go out into the world and say, come, for everything is ready. The invitation is no longer in the mail. It's right there on your table in the mouth of your pastor who goes out and calls to all of you to come and feast on the very body and blood of Christ, which is the true banquet. Yet the world doesn't heed to Christ's voice and his invitation. They create, just like in our text, every excuse they can fathom to decline. Woe. Woe to them for declining Christ's invitation. And woe to us when the church falls into the same sin and temptation that they do. Because the same thing that causes the world to decline, the same thing that causes them to decline, we also possess. It is sin. And therefore we as a church, as families and a congregation, must be on guard and remain steadfast in Christ's word, building on it, which is true wisdom, lest we fall into that same sin. For Christ's word is true wisdom and insight and the way in which for us to, as a proverb say, build up our house. For we should build our houses upon Christ and his word and his sacrament. Lest we make any excuse, the world makes plenty of them, whether it's time, convenience, sports, old habits, you know your own excuses and I sure know mine. It seems as though we can find every excuse to build on anything else but Christ and his sacrament and his word. It's easier that way, it really is. But the easy way is often the way of foolishness. And the hard way, most of the time, is the way of wisdom. Wisdom built on Christ's word and his sacraments. The, the only firm foundation to build are houses. So we should heed Christ's word, just as Psalm 34, that we heard today, says, to come and listen to his voice. And his voice in our gospel text is clear, that those who are invited to the banquet feast and that declined will not eternally taste it. This very banquet feast is the Lord's supper, which he prepares for us. You heard in the Proverbs how wisdom has prepared a table, and it's right here in this building, and Christ has prepared it by his very incarnation, and his life and his ministry, which he accomplished for us, salvation. The Son of Man descended from heaven to fulfill his Father's will that was toward the cross. It was that will that he fulfilled that he healed many people, and the world despised him for it. They despised him for prioritizing first and foremost his Father's word, his Father's will and instruction. They hated him for it. It was that will that he healed those many people and brought our sins to the cross. And he lived out the life of insight, the path of insight and humility, where he was found in his father's house, learning the exact same Psalms and Proverbs from his rabbi's mouth, his teacher's mouth, which is true wisdom. He didn't choose the, he didn't choose the easy path, but the hard path and that was bearing the sins of the world and bringing them to the cross. The cross, where God's wrath, our Father's wrath, was poured out, the consequences of sins of the entire world, of all mankind, your sins, seen there, pinned through the hands of Jesus himself, where his blood was shed, to make propitiation for our sins. Just as one act of unrighteousness, Adam, condemn the entire world, one act of righteousness in Jesus Christ on that cross saves and redeems the entire world. So that is, by Christ drinking the cup of wrath, he now gives for us at this table that he has set for us, the cup of blessing, through which we receive forgiveness, through which we receive the body of Christ. And we're kept in this faith, this one holy Christian church, and we receive salvation, where we are able to recline in the place of honor with Christ himself at this very table. So rather than building their lives on Christ's word, the world builds their lives just about anything else. They prefer to live in their own sins rather than live in the path of insight, which is according to God's word. It is a scary thing, too, that we possess the capacity to reject God's word For Christ warns about this in his earthly ministry all the time. So it's important that we guard ourselves as a church from slipping into that sin by devoting ourselves and centering ourselves around wisdom, which is found in Christ's word, in his life, in his ministry. Because if there's anything we know, and just looking at the world right now, it's that that there are many who built their lives, many who believe that they are Christians, around things that are not of Christ and his word and we see the consequences of it and therefore we can't be complacent in our practice. We must reflect on our own lives, our own culture that we establish in our household and also the culture of our congregations lest we slip as it's so easy to do into the easy path, the path of the world. So first in our own lives, because if we want to work on the faithfulness of the church in the world, we should first work on the faithfulness in our own lives and our own households. Because they are the established culture that we build, that builds up the culture of this congregation. They are the pillars of the church's con- culture, the congregation's culture. And if our household's culture collapses, so will the church's culture collapse. So the way in which I think to reflect It's fairly simple it's by asking some simple questions what is it in our households that we spend most of our time doing is it centering ourselves around christ and his word gathering as families to hear his word pray together and sing hymns what's the first thing you grab for in the morning is it your other hand or your wife's hand to pray and thank god for watching over you that night, that he gives you a new breath of life in the morning, which is just a picture of the resurrection, that just as whenever you die at, this, at the end of this life, it's but asleep. There's no fear of death, for whenever a Christian dies, he awakes, a new life found in Christ. So do we thank him for granting us another day in this life, or do we pick up that screen, turn on the screen, put the screen down, turn the TV off, center yourselves around Christ's word and his sacraments, coming together as families to sing hymns, to devote yourselves to memorizing scripture and praying, memorizing those prayers, just as we as children cling on to the words of our parents and learn the phrases of our parents. We all know phrases from our parents. We hold on to them and we learn them and we cherish them. for. It doesn't matter whether it's a TV show or a movie or a TikTok or a YouTube video. There is so much more, so much more to be gleaned from devoting ourselves to Christ and his word, that true foundation that we can build our lives upon. Likewise, as a church, I think it should look very similar in the sense that it's centering ourselves upon Christ and his word, guarding the church from slipping into that sin of complacency and practice. So we should, as the church has always done, reflect upon the stories of the Old Testament to glean from the stories of the Old Testament wisdom. And time and time again in the Old Testament, whenever you would see the societies, the families all crumbling, the real source of the issue truly was a collapse in their worship life. So learning from that, whenever Israel would reestablish their worship life and devote themselves to Christ and His Word and His practices, Everything else flows from there. So learning from that, we should be on guard in our own practices. And thanks be to God. We're inheritors of this great gift of the liturgy, the church here, and these readings. We do them so often, I think it's easy to not realize their importance and what it is they're they're actually doing, the life that the congregation, the church is moving through throughout the year and every Sunday. Just on today, we start off in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The very name of God that was housed in the temple in the Old Testament, and now was placed upon you at your baptism. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit on your forehead and on your heart, that you are now a temple of the Holy Spirit. We move from there to confess our sins to our pastor, and from his hand receive absolution forgiveness, and salvation, and then we sing hymns about the great and majestic work that God has done through creation and redemption and the person and work of Jesus Christ. From there, we hear about the readings, the very same readings that Christ himself devoted himself to in his Father's house, and then we hear about the gospel recorded by the apostles and the early church to keep record of the acts and works of Jesus Christ. Then we hear the sermon, which applies that text to our day-to-day lives, taking that word, which is salvation, and applying it to our lives today. From there, we move to the service of the sacrament, in which we are invited to come and recline at Christ's table, to sit in the place of honor, where we feast on the very body and blood of Jesus Christ. After receiving that, we sing the song of Simeon, where we sing, we can depart in peace. Not just peace from this building, though we definitely need it in the world today. That is true. But depart this life in peace. Rest assured that our salvation, our salvation is sure. Just as sure as Jesus died on the cross. And then from, again, from the pastor's hand, we receive the blessing of Aaron. Aaron, all the way back in the Old Testament who blessed his, the people of Israel in God's stead. For the Lord's face does shine upon the people of Israel, and the Lord's face does shine upon you today. And it is a face with smile and joy for the work that Christ has accomplished through his Son. And that's just an overview of one Sunday. If we look at the church here, that in which we're flowing through in the calendar year, we center ourselves upon Christ's life. We have Advent, which we hear about how Christ came and comes to us today in the sacrament and how he will come in judgment, for he is the the true judge of this world. Then we celebrate Christmas, Christ's birth, his incarnation, where we hear about his incarnation and then the naming of him and his circumcision, the first time Christ shed his blood. From there, Epiphany, where we hear about the Magi, the true Gentiles, coming before God, to worship him, and the baptism of God, where Christ was proclaimed by our Heavenly Father to be the Son of God, and also by his prophet John to be the Lamb of God who takes away our sin, the sins of the world. From there, we have Lent, which hones in on and helps us reflect upon the consequences of our own sin, which prepares our hearts and minds for Easter, that great season which we worship and celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And then following immediately, we have Pentecost, which we just celebrated, where Christ gives out His Holy Spirit, the Comforter, which He sends out even today to come into our presence here and through His Word to grant us peace. And now we're in the season of Holy Trinity, which we focus in upon those teachings, those doctrines that Christ established and taught, that His Father gave Him to speak while here on earth. And that gets us all the way to our text today, about the heavenly banquet, which he invites all to come to for salvation. And this is the only way forward. It's the only way to keep the church faithful and in Christ. It's by centering ourselves and our practices upon Christ, his word, and his sacrament. It's the only way to keep the confirmants in the church that were just confirmed last week, I believe. Because for the church to exist, for the church to remain in Christ it must be centered upon Christ's word and his sacrament what a gift it is for us to be inheritors of these practices for us to be able to establish our lives not only at home but in this congregation upon Christ and his word where we have these habits this christian culture what a gift and we shouldn't be surprised whenever the world hates us for it whenever the world despises Christ's sacrament and despises his word, for they despised him while he was here on earth. And in our epistle today, John's very clear. Don't be surprised. Because we are not of this world, though we are in it. We are in Christ. And as Christians, we cling to him, his word, his promise, his voice. And we build our lives upon that, upon that word, and receive his sacrament, reclining in the place of honor. Rest assured that our hope is in him, that just as Christ died, so shall we. But just as Christ was raised, we will be raised on the last day. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.